It was the reboot that nobody asked for. Absolutely nobody. It came on behalf of a series that had produced four games over seven years, the last of which was, by the numbers, the most successful game in the series. So why was it that only a few years later, Capcom was looking to reimagine the Devil May Cry series? In 2010, when DMC Devil May Cry was first unveiled, it left the gaming community asking, why? Not only was nobody asking for change, but the change that was offered resembled nothing of what was loved about the previous games in the series. People griped as the game toiled through three years of development. Was the wait worth it? Why exactly did Capcom ask for the change, and in the end, was all the hate justified? Did the game end up changing the minds of the fans of the series? Today we're going to be looking at interviews, comments, and your reviews of the game as we explore the gaming community's love-hate relationship with DMC Devil May Cry as we take today's trip down memory card lane. Good afternoon and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello, and welcome to the 20th episode of our Video Game Nostalgia Podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we choose one important release from the current week in gaming history, we talk about it, and then we use it to have important conversations about how gaming has affected our lives and yours. Today we're going to be talking about the 2013 reboot of the Devil May Cry series, DMC Devil May Cry. And in case you didn't already know, I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who thinks he is an actual Nephilim. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I've heard him talking to, my, talking to myself, I've heard him talking to himself, maybe talking to me, I don't know, and he claims to be half-angel, half-demon. The problem is, I've overheard him calling himself Beazzlebub. Seems questionable to me at best. Beazzlebub doesn't roll off the tongue though, so around here, we like to call him Rob Casson. Rob, for the second week in a row, we're talking demons, so we're right in your domain. How is the weather down in hell? Starting to freeze over, Dave. <laughs> and I go by Beals a boss now, because I'm the boss. <laughs> Do you know, last week we talked about the seven circles of hell. <laughs> I think we determined that Louisiana was the seventh and, and uh, uh, whichever was the third. Uh, Beelzebub is one of the seven princes of hell. Do you know what he represents? Gluttony. Oh, good one. Good one. I'm impressed. <laughs> Come on, I'm a gluttonous motherfucker. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. You, you are right. Down here in the deep south, it is cold. Hell is freezing over. I am wearing like three layers of clothing, and I'm still cold. I'm a little bit of a wuss these days to the cold, but such is life. That's what happens when you live down here after a while. I mean, I may have lived 30 years in the Midwest, but, you know, you give five, six, seven... God, it's been like seven years already. You spend seven years down here and you start to assimilate at least a little bit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I understand. You know, it, it's one of those things you get to spend so much time. It's culture. You know, nature does get you so far, but 
nurture is another thing where you're at, what you hear every day. It's hard not to become a mimic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So DMC Devil May Cry, and we're going to talk more about it, but I like to call it Devil May Cry Edgelord Edition. You played this one, didn't you? Absolutely, I have. Uh, it's actually one of the first ones that I took on playing harder than the medium difficulty because I just got so used to it. This was, in my opinion, one of the easier ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just talked about it. This was the first time I ever played this one, uh, and I put it on the easiest mode and then some and just cruise through it just to cruise through it and enjoy it. So I don't know... why. Well, I mean, hey, you're the lord of gluttony, so you are a glutton for punishment, I guess. Oh, you know it to be true. That is very, very apropos. Well, this is quite a polarizing game, and we have a lot to talk about. But first, I have a little segment called Errors and Corrections. I have one correction from last week. Rob. Will you read it exactly as written? Absolutely. It says, Dave kept calling the bad guy from Carthright. Carthright? Wow. (laughs) Move on. So next week, we're going to have another (laughs) errors and corrections. (laughs) Wow. Dyslexia wins again. (laughs) What does it say? Dave kept. It says, Dave kept calling the bad guy from Far Cry 3 Vaughn, even though he knows his name is Voss. What a dumbass (laughs) yeah what a dumbass that dave guy god we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to whip his ass into shape how dare he get damn get the name of something wrong you know gosh what a dumbass i know i know and that ladies and gentlemen has been errors and corrections now back to your regularly scheduled show i would like to say right here that if you haven't played and tend to play this game and you don't want the story spoiled for you then maybe this episode isn't for you i want to talk a lot about the story a lot of the parts of story are very topical for today's day and age in that it's very much in line with the world around us and so also fair warning we may be talking about everything that's going on in the world around us we don't get very political very often but This game goes there, and we're going to make the parallels. So, fair warning, you've had seven years to play this game, and move on. Just that simple. Get over it. Anything you'd like to add, Rob? Nope. Well, then, let's... I, I, I certainly try to do my research. So, let's go back to 2010. We're at the Tokyo Game Show. Capcom... Capcom? Where have we talked about Capcom before? There was a game. There was a game. Do you remember what it was? The one that was made by Capcom. It was the game that was made by Capcom. It's the game that perhaps saved Capcom as a company. Yeah, it was uh, Fuck Man. Yeah, it was Fuck Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was Pac-Man. No, no. Waka, waka, waka. Mega Man. It was definitely Mega yes, Man. Yes, yes. Because uh, yeah, yeah. at the that. time that uh, Mega Man's created by uh, Kaiji and Afune... And Inafune was a uh, uh, Inafune was a corporate, like on the corporate side of Capcom at this point, and his name comes up in some of the comments through all this mess. I don't know how much direct he didn't develop it or anything. He was just the guy giving his opinion on things, 
Actually, there was a point in which Inafune criticized uh, Eastern gaming studios, Japanese gaming studios, and said that they needed to learn stuff from their Western counterpoints, and this was part of all that mess. All right, so moving on. 2010, Tokyo Game Show. Capcom unveiled DMC, Devil May Cry, with a short trailer that showed off Dante, the game's main character. Now, this version of Dante was younger than previous versions of Dante. He had an attitude, unlike previous Dante, and unlike before, now he had dark hair. Dark hair, Rob! Dark hair! Can you believe that he had dark hair? This guy's a fake. <laughs> so, gone was the silvery dew, the top, the hair of the previous Dante. This version of Dante was something straight out of an emo music video. Just straight out of an emo music video. And from the moment that trailer was unveiled, people hated it. Ugh. The forum threads in the years leading up to DMC's release are freaking gold. Uh, there's comments like Kill It With Fire, Ninja Theories on Crack. One guy asks, is Dante Emo and gay now? I mean, people really did not like this. The Devil May Cry fandom from the very beginning was convinced that this reboot of the Devil May Cry series, because this is a reimagining, completely a reboot of the series, was going to be a complete disaster in the making. Um, Rob, you are a Devil May Cry fan. Am I correct in that? That is correct. Okay, so you probably have more of an opinion on this because I am not a Devil May Cry fan. Do you remember 2010 and having an opinion on this reboot in any way whatsoever? Yeah, it was definitely not something we were looking forward to. Uh, it was one of the ones that was, you know, you looked at it and you're like, yeah, I, I think I can do without this. Not, not into it. You weren't you weren't all about the emo lifestyle back then. Uh, nope, no, I was not. That was way past my emo phase. So as I had said before, the gaming world was convinced that this was a disaster in the making, and why would they feel anything else? I mean, nobody asked for this. Two years before the the Tokyo Game Show and the release of this uh, this trailer, Capcom had released Devil May Cry Four, and in its first month. Devil May Cry 4 shipped 2 million copies, which made it the fastest-selling title in the series. Critic reviews are favorable, user reviews are favorable. So why then did Capcom decide to throw it all away to reboot the series? Rob, hadn't they ever heard of the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? I mean, what the hell were they thinking? I couldn't tell you, you know. They they thought they would try and make, a, make things new and fun, and... Uh, they, uh, who knows? Yes, who knows? I mean, ultimately, we don't know. But, you know, going back to some interviews from the time, we can gain a little bit of insight. Uh, Capcom, at the time, was, as we had just kind of alluded to, they were looking to Western studios to remake Japanese franchises. Uh, one of the reasons uh, it's believed was the success of Bayonetta, which was uh, kind of something done similar. They wanted to capitalize off this this reimagining that was kind of going on. And so with that notion, they had turned to Ninja Theory, uh, who developed this game. Ninja Theory had just finished a game called Heavenly Sword. Uh, Capcom was impressed with it, and they thought that it would work really well as a Devil May Cry game. 
Rob, did you play Heavenly Sword at all? Cannot say that I have. It doesn't sound familiar whatsoever. What about their other game, uh, Enslaved, A Journey to the West or something like that? Not ringing any bells either. No. I can't say I played much of Heavenly Sword, but I did play Enslaved, and Enslaved was an... It's one of those games that you're really disappointed. It wasn't... Personally, I thought it was a great game. I don't think it gets enough credit, although it's it gets credit. Uh, but for whatever reason... I don't know. For whatever reason, it just, uh, um, it, there, you know, it wasn't received well. It didn't sell well. We'll never see another one. Uh, but Enslaved was, I thought, an absolutely fantastic game. So, so here you have Ninja Theory. Ninja Theory is thrilled to be working on a Devil May Cry game. I mean, who wouldn't want to be handed the keys to this franchise? Am I right? Absolutely. The art style is the thing that immediately fell short with 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 everyone. And supposedly that art style was something that was worked on for over a year. In one article, uh, Alex Jones, who was Capcom USA's lead producer, is quoted as saying that initially he told Ninja Theory to go explore the space. And they came back with a very incremental look for what Date had usually been. And so Capcom went, no, guys. Go back to the first principles and really do something. And then they went about 25% more down the field. And they're like, no, seriously. We want you to do something that you think would make us angry with you. And when they started doing that, then we started making some progress. So, Rob, it feels like that Ninja Theory did exactly what Capcom asked and made something that was going to piss everyone off. Yeah, they absolutely did achieve exactly that, if that's what their intent was. I mean, come on. He literally said, do something that you think would make us angry with you. And that's when they started making progress. So, I mean, mission accomplished. Uh. Yeah, it's kind of a shitty mission, but yeah. Hey, it's a mission nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) Right you are. (laughs) Doesn't matter if the mission's... uh, Look... You set a low bar for yourself because it's easy to go over. That's that's it. That's my philosophy in life. No ex- low expectations, easy to achieve them. Yeah, that's why we have a podcast with, you know, a couple listeners, our mom, maybe a few other friends. I don't know. Right, you are, Dave. Hi, mom. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, the comments on this article are fucking golden. I want to highlight a few of them just so you can continue to understand how everyone felt at the time. Rob, how do you feel about dramatic theater? Uh, I don't know much about dramatic theater. So it's not my thing, I guess. Would you say that you're capable of dramatic theater? Mm, Not really sure. Never tried. Mm. Well, Rob, I have a list here of about four comments on the article. And I think that we need a Rob Casson dramatic reinterpretation of all of these comments. Would you oblige? I can sure give it a try. (laughs) All right. October Fleshed. What did October Fleshed have to say? Well, Dave, October Fleshed writes... 
Ninja Theory has managed to make an already faux badass looking character look even fucking worse. They've injected Twilight in there for good measure. That was way better than I expected from you. <laughs> way, way better. Oh, I could have asked for better. I'm impressed with you right now. I can't pull off accents for the life of me. And you just did a solid one. You Do you realize how solid that was? Uh, it's probably about the only one I can do anymore. That's okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. They are made an already faux badass looking character look even fucking worse, and they've injected Twilight in there for good measure. <laughs> that is a pretty fucking awesome quote. Smiling Celos. What did Smiling Celos have to say? Smiling Celos had to say, I can understand where they're going with the new design. I do think the original Dante looks cool, but things need to change. It's just how life works. Especially with DMC, since it's a moderately old series. However, I do not think it's cool to look like a meth addict. <laughs> do you think Dante looked like a meth addict? You know, there definitely was a look that was kind of weird. I wouldn't necessarily say meth addict, but it definitely was not quite Dante. No. I think everyone agrees on that one, so... Alright, number three, Mejejo. What did Mejejo have to say? Mejejo writes, I'm not much of a fan of the new look Dante. He looks more like one of the kids you see hanging outside a shopping center trying to get you to buy them cigarettes. <laughs> I think that one is actually kind of on point. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> he definitely looks like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, that's that's uh, absolutely a good representation. It reminds me of definitely any scene you've seen in any movie. Hey, you want to buy some uh, buy some alcohol for us and keep uh -huh. the change? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But not everyone hates it, though. <clears throat> Japanese Barbie here has something to say, doesn't she? Oh, oh, I don't know if she does. I really don't know. I think she does. Japanese Barbie? has to say, I don't see anything with this new Dante. I think this one is hotter than the old one. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, different strokes for different folks, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I... Rob... Mm. Rob uh, alright, alright. You can... Rob, Rob, Japanese Barbie can go back in your, your little character book there and Rob can come out. Uh, where do you think this Dante fits? Do you think any of these comparisons are fair? I think this has all been a rapper at I think this has all been an accurate representation of this Dante. Yeah. You kind of weren't the only one. Uh you know, one of the commenters, Twin Super Mega fe fellow, he wrote that are we forgetting that old Dante rode around his office on a desktop while eating a slice of pizza and playing a guitar? All I'm saying is that there's no way the new Dante is going to be a bigger douche than old Dante because nobody is a bigger douche than the old Dante. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But I don't necessarily think that the new I don't think that the new Dante was really necessarily like trying to go for that, like to be the ultimate douche. He was just kind of fucking like a teenager that was going through his emo phase. Like. It's not his. I don't know. I don't know. No. Yeah. No. You. You're. You're not wrong. Uh. He was. He's not. He's a moody he's, teen. He's not. He's not a doucher. No. Nah, he's. He's a. Yeah. He's not a doucher. So. 
Well, art style be damned. The DM Devil May Cry series is known for other things, though, is it not? One more time. I said art style be damned. The Devil May Cry series is known for things other than art style, are they not? Absolutely. You know, you got some awesome combat, combo-based combat. You got great music and some awesome wicked enemies. Absolutely. Well, let's go back to the combat, right? So Devil May Cry, the original Devil May Cry, and, and most of the subsequent ones, it's known for fast-paced, highly stylized combat. It's a hack and slash, right? Absolutely it is. With a ranking system. Yep, and are, that ranking system is... Are you good with something. the ranking system? See, that is the one saving grace I have for this Devil May Cry, is that for the first time ever playing a Devil May Cry game, I could get better than an S rank. Very nice. Uh, go ahead and explain to people that aren't familiar with Devil May Cry how you achieve a high ranking. And what is, what's an S rank? So the way that it works, it's based on stylish, which is partially based on combos as well as changing up. It's not just hitting the enemy repeatedly, which you can do and still build your combo. But the best way to get to the higher combat style ranks, which I'll get to later, is that you are chaining different moves together. Uh, so there's a lot of different inputs that change which moves that you're doing. You chain them together, you get a higher stylish rank. The stylish rank is just how cool was your attack? How cool was the combo? How long was the combo? Did you get hit during the combo? Because that's going to knock it down. At the end, it if you have the best rank, you 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 know you're doing great, great things. And it starts out at the lowly rank at D, C, B, A. Then you get S. Then you get double S, and then the famous triple S. If you can hit triple S, you're doing something right. And this one had like it called out the names as you did it right, like. D was deadly and B was badass, I think, and S brutal. S brutal. What was A? I don't uh, know. I don't remember that one. Sense. I just remember sensational. Yep. So, Savage, this... sensational. A lot of a lot of hearing it in this one. It's very easy to combo, in my opinion. So as Ninja Theory developed this game, they were very focused on continuing this tradition. They they wanted to they wanted to have I mean, that's what Devil May Cry was known for. Changing art style is one thing, but you can't. I don't think you can take away that fast paced, you know, uh, combat without taking away really what set Devil May Cry apart from a lot of the other hack and slash games of its time. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But they did change it up a little bit, so. In this game, Dante is normally he's half human, half demon, and in this one he's half angel, half demon, a nephilim, and therefore his move sets are punctuated by devil on one side and angel mode on the other, and he has different weapons and platforming moves and everything that are dictated by whether or not you're in devil mode or angel mode. Is that is that kind of the gist of it? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Okay, so, and then your fighting style is a it's a it's a really fun blend of all this. To be honest with you, I mean you're right. You know it's it's long attack change where you mix it up a lot along with evading getting hit, and you can switch between you know the angel weapons and the devil weapons to unleash hell or holy hell, whichever. 
And that's right, right? Yeah. Yep. But that goes into platforming, right? So you have angel mode and devil mode. In angel mode, uh, there were points that Dante would pull to the point, and in devil mode, Dante would pull the point to him, uh, which brings me to the the location of Devil May Cry, this reboot, which was Limbo City. My personal favorite part about this game was Limbo City and how the city became part of the action, right? So the city Absolutely. would the city would come alive and it would move and it would attack and it would it would manipulate itself to work against um to work against Dante, which kind of gave us into the story, right? Because the concept of this game is that Limbo City is a city that's secretly controlled by demons that were manipulating all the humans. And these demons resided in a parallel plane called Limbo, kind of a parallel world, right? So where they're living right alongside the humans, but they can't be seen. And Dante, because he's half and half, can get pulled into Limbo, into the demon world, um, which is where a lot of the game takes place for him, right? Absolutely, that is exactly it. And then typically when he's in limbo, he has a partner in the human side who's kind of walking him or talking him through things or or helping them. Uh, Honestly, that was one of my favorite parts of this game, right? It was all the interaction between. It was, you know, uh, for spoiler, there's a scene in which Dante is trying to rescue... Uh, people that are being attacked by a SWAT team, and he can't really do anything because he's in limbo. He can see what's going on, but all he can really do is get ahead of the situation because he's not on the same plane as the human SWAT team. And I, I don't, I don't know why. I just think that that's that's such a freaking cool concept. One of the thoughts behind that is that in all of the other Devil May Cry. Dante is kind of a loner. Is that a fair statement? That is a fair statement. And they really explore the concept of of him being a loner and and always being alone and isolated and how that plays into him as a person. And in this Devil May Cry, Dante really isn't so much of a loner, but the concept of Limbo is that he gets isolated in the same respect. So it's almost like a, a throwback to the old isolated Dante by literally moving, you know, literally dragging him into a, a plane of isolation. It, it's a little bit more of the same concept, but it little, I guess you could say Ninja Theory took a brick that said isolation on it and beat you in the face with it a hundred times. Uh, that is a great way of describing it, Dave. That is <laughs> phenomenal thought. But I will tell you, so the concept of of being able to manipulate the planes, go between them, created one of my favorite parts of the game. Um, There's a scene towards the end where Dante is helping Virgil and Kat escape in a car, and we'll go a little bit more into the story so you know who these people are. But the concept is, is that Dante is stuck in limbo, and they're in real life, and the world is kind of exploding around them. And at certain points, they get, like, Dante has to kind of keep ahead of them and move stuff out of their way 
you know, like a container. Dante can move the container from Limbo so they don't crash into it with their car. And this 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 juxtaposition where like they're they're having to depend on him in another plane and he's like moving a container and making this building move out of the way and making this piece of road move out of the way. I don't know why, but I like I, I literally was like I started playing that level and the first time I had to move something out of the way so they didn't crash and die, I was like Holy shit. I don't know who thought of that, but that's fucking cool. You know what I mean? Looking at you, Interstellar. Looking at you, Interstellar. I, you know, it was just, I just really, really dug that moment. There are a lot of other moments I dug too, um, but I, you know, that was just a, a, such an ingenious moment uh, when they're having to do that. So, at least in my opinion, I thought that the gameplay that, that they had in this was, I, I really enjoyed it truthfully but did uh, you know what did other people think about it i guess is the point because we always want to talk about how you guys as gamers feel about it too rob i have in front of us a, a couple steam reviews that i found uh why don't you give us the first one sure thing dave so seven sins on stream writes wow seven sins on steam writes it's crazy fast enjoyable easy to learn and perform long combos one of the best dualshock 3 integration in my humble opinion i agree I I thought I I I can't really refute that. I think it's great. So uh, I'll take the next one. Blue Soul on Steam writes: The story may not be good. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but gameplay, dude, dude, fucking a, dude, great, dude, bitchin'. I don't know, but apparently he liked the gameplay enough to just to, to throw an expletive about it. So Blue Soul on Steam, rock on, dude. Rob, what's the next one? Zoriel. <clears throat> wow. Zoriel on stream writes, the combat is great and fluid. Mixing between weapons is awesome. I guess Capcom couldn't have been that wrong, huh? Well, they got some things right, but there's a lot more things wrong. Many feel. Which brings us back to the plot. So, I know this plot this is 2013, this game came out, right? They started in 2010. So from 2010 to 2012, roughly, they're working on it. And a lot of this plot, part of this plot, is supposed to be a satire of American society back in 2010, 2011, 2012. But seriously, with everything going on, how fucking on point is this topic right now? Like, how... Uh, this story has aged beautifully. Beautifully. Yeah. Oh my God, has it have? First of all, the the beginning, right? Because we were we were on Discord together when I started this game, and the I think the first thing I literally said to you was, "I guess it can't be that bad of a game if it starts off in a strip club, huh?" <laughs> exactly. That those were exact words spoken. <laughs> and then freaking dude is you know, parting it up and ends up without clothes. And the whole beginning sequence is him like shooting and fly and like jumping through into his clothes through the air. I mean, come on, man, this is just fucking over the top. Like it's ridiculous. I'm not going to lie. It's ridiculous. I, I had no background in this game whatsoever. And, and this is your beginning. You've got like, what is it? Industrial music playing in the background or dubstep is it, it's probably industrial in the beginning, isn't it? And uh, industrial, I don't know what you mean by that. The music, 
what's the music in the beginning would you say what's the style i mean i feel the entire game is mostly like rock yeah 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 there's some electronic and dubstep in there isn't there yeah i guess electronic rock yeah 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 he, in the beginning, he's just partying it up, right? I mean, Dante doesn't give a shit about anything. He's he's in a club, he's partying it up, and suddenly he gets dragged into limbo by a demon who literally smashes a fucking Ferris wheel into a pair of people. I, I mean... Oh, my God. It's such widespread destruction. And the thing of it is, is this is happening in limbo, right? So this demon's in limbo, and this demon is taking the ferris wheel and throwing it across but since since humans can't see demons all they know is that there's a giant ferris wheel rolling across the fucking pair destroying everything in its path right right i'm not i I mean i got the gist of it down don't i yep i know that's accurate so we have the demons destroying everything and since the demons control the media they start the narrative that dante's a terrorist who's causing widespread destruction. So here we have fucking, I mean, doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum that you fall on these days, right? The concept when you drill it down is you have the media being controlled by one element, right? And they're starting a narrative that's fake news, I guess, Mm. right? Right. I mean, that's the way to put it, because Dante's not the one destroying everything. It's the demons. So they get to manipulate the media. You know, so it's at this moment that Dante gets saved by a mysterious woman whose name is Kat. We talked about Kat and Virgil. And she brings him into, quote unquote, the Order, which is an organization intent on exposing exposing the demons and releasing the world from their control. So as it happens, you have the Order, and they're labeled as a a terrorist organization. Kind of funny again. You know, a domestic terrorist organization. Here we have a bad guy. So we're introduced to the main bad guy. His name is Mundus. And Mundus controls everything, right? He's got all the money. He's got all the power. He controls the media. He's literally the devil incarnate who just controls everything, right? Right. And then... Dante gets introduced to the Order. At the head of the Order is his brother Virgil, his twin brother Virgil, and the two of them hatch a plan to take Mundus down, to defeat the devil, per se. Taking down the devil requires them to destroy the organization, and that includes two things. One, they have to destroy an energy drink plant that that diamonds, that the demons spike to keep the human population lobotomized. Rob, do you remember what that energy drink is called? Hmm, cannot say that I do off the top of my head. Virility. Virility. Ah, that's right. Do you remember where the, the energy drink comes from? Uh, that would be a gross spider-like chick. It was a succubus. It comes from the succubus. No, that's right, succubus. I don't know why I said... Yeah, I and couldn't remember what she was. Well, I mean, she's kind of spider-like because she's held up by... I mean, I don't know. Well, mostly just her, like, the the claws the arms things yeah. he had to attack i knew i should have known i literally was just playing this how can i remember she's a succubus that's uh-huh. all right that's all right <laughs> gross gross all i have to say is gross all these people are drinking this mountain dew shit that's being sucked out of these fucking comes from the succubus and then it's filtered through these fat disgusting demons and then these people drink it right up 
Gross. Okay? Energy drinks are not good for you people. Gross. So we destroyed the, the, the energy drink plant. And then the second thing is we have to take down the media propaganda, right? Because in order to defeat any organization, you have to change people's perception of the organization. Uh, fuck, how on point is that right now? You know what I mean? Extremely. So Dante goes after the Raptor News Network, which is hilarious because in order to do that, he has to go visit the, the, the Raptor News Network in Limbo, and it's literally viewing this fucking news network and the world upside down. Like, literally, like, the tower and the human world goes up, and in Limbo, it's the shadow of the tower that's down, and it's literally upside down. And that's such, again... It's like Ninja Theory was just taking a brick and smacking you, you know, in the in the frickin' face with allegory. They wrote allegory on this brick and just smashed you on the face until you're all bloody and shit. Ugh. A lot of big words today, Dave. And then, so here we have the undisputed king of media, Bob Barbas, right? So Bob Barbas is a slightly overweight, middle-aged man with a, with a bad comb-over. Do you remember Bob Barbas's catchphrase, Rob? Just doing God's work. Just doing God's work. This is Bob Barris. Just doing God's work. I mean, Jesus Christ. If this isn't something out of... Uh, uh, Bob spends all his time working to villainize the Order and Dante, right? In Bob's first appearance, he literally suggests shooting the leader of the Order. He paints Dante as a sexual deviant who sp willfully spreads diseases to others. He talks about him literally as a sexual deviant, you know? There's a battle in which Dante and Bob go against one another, and Dante is killing demons, and Bob is on the news network broadcasting this as if he's killing humans in the pair, and, and Bob Barbas is reporting on it like Dante, again, it's all perception, it's media perception. They're portraying Dante as this terrorist when he's actually killing, he's actually killing, you know, demons. If it really wasn't obvious, you know, and it should be, the inspiration for the Raptor News Network and and Bob Barbas were Fox News and Bill O'Reilly. I mean, hell, Barbas even screams O'Reilly's catchphrase during his battle, we'll do it live. Playing this game was frustrating, almost, because this is eight or nine years ago. Right? 2013? Yeah, eight or nine years ago. And we're still dealing with this bullshit. Nine years. It's nine years later. It's fucking 2020. 2021. 2021 now, right? And we're still dealing with this bullshit. We're still dealing with it. We still have this... We still have Fox News, don't we? <laughs> Surprisingly. No, yeah, we, we have Fox News. And I mean, literally this plot... God, I don't I can't remember 2013. I don't even know if this plot would have been far-fetched back then, but it sure as fuck isn't far-fetched now. Not in any way shape or form. It it literally I don't even know what else to say. It's not far-fetched. It literally is what's happening right this moment. That it is, Dave. That it sadly is. I mean, regardless of what side you're on, we have fake news. It's the fake news cycle, right? No, there's the deal. No matter what side you're on, nobody knows who the hell to believe anymore. That's that's what that's what they've successfully done to us is just make it so nobody really knows who the fuck to trust anymore. 
Well, I trust science, but you know, other than that, no one knows who to trust anymore. Place <laughs> the media. Fake news, Rob. Fake news. Make foos, Dave. Make foos. So there was an article published last month in Escapist magazine that was really fascinating. The the author Elijah Beam writes At the time, most critics agreed that while its themes and gameplay were in the right place, the story of Devil May Cry, I'm paraphrasing there, the story sounded like edgelord nonsense. Nations under the thumb of comically self-serving rulers, total manipulation of the news cycle, the very necessities of life like food and water becoming a danger to us, a constant state of paranoia where it feels as though nothing makes sense. So D- Devil May Cry may still be a very gothy, punkish, screamo song in video game form rather than a playable, eloquent essay on societal decline. Nonetheless, you can't deny that, with the benefit of hindsight, the points that it makes are more oddly relevant than ever. I mean, right? How right is this guy? Absolutely right. And he goes on to write, You have a toxic energy drink built from a suspect source that slowly slackens and lobotomizes consumers into mindless cattle. You have a corrupt news anchor that proudly declares, Just doing God's work, and sprouts jingoistic nothings that dog-whistle patriotism only to further spread fear and paranoia. You have presidents, queens, and businessmen who are all indebted to a disgustingly heinous man who could destroy each of them with just a text message. And you have a disaffected millennial protagonist who spends most of his life trying to numb himself to the existential exhaustion of the world's cruelty. Dante can see everything wrong with the world, but choosing to care is something approached with hesitance, lest it fall apart around him and get even worse. Uh, he concludes this little article with, I guess Ninja's Theory's little spinoff got the last laugh after all. Yay? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. A disaffected millennial protagonist who spends most of his life trying to numb himself to the exhaustion of the world's cruelty. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Come yeah, on. That's spot on. I mean, fucking a! I, 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 I am in all of how spot on this this game is. I just, I, I, that's it. It's just that it seemed. I am in all of how, as I sat down to play it here in twenty twenty one, how just like you feel like someone made this game yesterday and they picked the plot right out of the fucking news of the day before. Uh, it's almost sad because it shows you that in 9 years we, as a as a as a uh as a whole, right? We as people or as a country or whatever micro microism of society you want to look at, we haven't gone anywhere <laughs> in 9 years. We haven't gone anywhere. In fact, I think that we may be have gotten worse because last week all the shit that they're talking about here led a, a fucking handful of extremists to to you know vandalize the the capital and 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 I don't even know, man, and hurt people under the guise of something that it wasn't. Uh, that's what I'm gonna say about that. So, uh. Rob, we haven't grown in nine years. That's a little depressing. Well, some have, but many, many are already grown and they think they know all. 
they don't like change and change is a coming. I mean, Dante got the last laugh, didn't he? I mean, in the end, he 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 prevailed. That right? he did. That he de- he defeats he, he the demon. Did. Right, defeats the demon, and then finds out that his brother, the other Nephilim, wants to rule the world. Did you play the DLC at all? I did not, but I have, I know of it. So the DLC is fascinating. I'm going to say I I'm a little disappointed that we'll probably never have another one of these, honestly, because I think that the story was halfway decent. And I think that the the way the the this game ended off was was interesting. And more more importantly, what the DLC gave us was. Laid the foundation for what I think would have been an excellent storyline to continue this little parallel universe. So I'm a little disappointed because we probably will not get another one of these. I say that because Microsoft owns Ninja Theory now. Ninja Theory is the company that went on to make the Hellblade Send You a Sacrifice game. And which was, did you ever get a chance to play that, Rob? Doesn't sound familiar at all. You never got a chance to play Hellblade? Nope. So Hellblade's on Game Pass. Uh, Like I said, Ninja Theory is not owned by Microsoft, so their games are on Game Pass. And they're working on Hellblade 2 right now. And Hellblade is a really fascinating game that's rooted in Norse mythology about... About mental, a mental disease. Basically, the 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 girl is on a the girl. The girl is hears voices in her head, as you play through this game, and it's just play it, play it, play it with headphones. Because if you don't play it with headphones, you lose something. Because they did a really great job, like they did a really great job with the. It's like schizophrenia. They did a really great job with it. And you constantly hear these voices in the back of your earphones. And it's really, you really lose it. You really lose the impact of it if you don't play it on headphones. That's that's what I'm going to recommend. It's not a long game. It's a really good game. It won a lot of awards. It's highly recommended. I'm going to add it to my list. Bam. Play Hellblade, send you a sacrifice. Okay? Bam. So, enough of how I feel about Hellblade. Let's go back to how people felt about the DMC Devil May Cry game. Critical reception. Rob, how did the critics, how do you think the critics felt about this game once it was finally realized? Uh, You know, if we're talking critics, I think that because they're basing it less so on the series as a whole and more so on the game i think that they'll probably have received it moderately well yeah yeah i I think think so i think that's a well i mean obviously i do the research i already know so let's take a look at this first one rob i put the euro gamer article in front of you and highlighted some snippets of it for you why don't you share with our audience what euro gamer magazine had to say about the release of devil may cry in 2013 Sure thing, Dave. So Eurogamer writes that there are extremes, and then there's DMC. This reinvention of Devil May Cry is capable of leaving you open-mouthed in amazement, gazing in wonder, 
while clutching the joypad so hard it creaks, but it also easily segues into boredom and, occasionally, frustration. When DMC gets going, it is sensational, and when it slows down, it's barely average. It's the 10, 10 out of 10 game that won't stop forgetting itself. So, Eurogamer wasn't in love with some of the ways they weren't in love with some of the ways that the combat system is utilized in later levels. And they didn't like the fact that this Devil May Cry doesn't have the traditional boss rush towards the end that so many other DMCs that so many other DMCs have. But overall, they gave it an 8, 8 out of 10. They went on to say that Ninja Theory has succeeded in revitalizing classic series, but DMC is almost a classic in their own right. Don't think too much about the lows because the highs are so very high and show without question that Capcom has faith in the right developer. They felt that Ninja Theory had absolutely nailed the leading man and the combat system, which are by far the most important things, and that DMC was a labor of love, a tribute as well as a new beginning. What do you think? I, you know, I think that what they're, uh, I think that that's a good representation of what they feel. Awesome. Well, let's move on. See what another publication thought. Rob, why don't you share with us uh, how GameSpot magazine feels about Devil May Cry? So GameSpot gave it an 8 out of 10, writing that DMC succeeds both in its story and in its brilliant combat. And it looks the business too, despite a few minor glitches and the more color-soaked levels looking like they spent a little too much time in an Instagram filter. Sure, you may balk at Dante's trendy new haircut, or maybe even miss a little of that B-movie Devil May Cry insanity. But the heart of what makes a series so enticing and so much fun to play holds true here. Across the board, that 80 to 85 percentile is pretty much where everyone gave it. And that honestly stands true for most of the Devil May Cry series. They were never 10 out of 10 games. Uh, they were frequently 8 out of 10 or 85 out of 100 games. And so it, as you look at the critical reviews through the series and you see where this one fits, honestly, it, it, it fits right, right, right in the middle. Right, right there. It's right in line with everything else. So it was, it was favorably re reviewed, right? Right. Uh, critics be damned. Let's move on to the players. Let's move on to you guys listening out there. What do you think about the game? So M on Steve right? the only thing really wrong about this game is the title of it. There you go. Straight to the point. I like it. Straight to the point. How about it's hard to pick a login, Rob? What did it's hard to pick a login have to say? That it's hard to pick a login, Dave. Their name says it all. But they also, about this game, happened to say that, okay, for those who remember the controversy, just give it a try. It's a very good game if you look at it as a standalone Devil May Cry interpretation. Right on. Well, Louis of Terra here on Steam wrote, I don't really know why this was hated so much. It's actually pretty good and fun all around. There we go. I... A lot of reviews as you're scrolling through them here on Steam. And if you'd like to take a look at them yourself, there's a link to it, as well as all the other sources I've used throughout this episode on our website at www.memorycardlane.com. As always, I archive all of my sources, and you can go back and you can look at these early articles to make fun of what all the people had to say and to see what early, early emo Dante looked like. Uh, truth be told, he did change a little bit from the 2010 Tokyo Gaming Show to the release of the game. And hell, let's be honest, 
Dante grows from that initial scene in which he's in the strip club to the end of the game, does he not? I would say that he does, yes. He's probably the most dynamic out of all the Dantes in terms of character growth. I I don't think that's that controversial to say to you. Would you agree? Is someone who's not into the series, I could agree, but if you're really into Devil May Cry and the way that Dante is, it's kind of a slap in the face. You don't think he grows? You, oh you, no, I absolutely think that he grows, but I just you think you, that he you think that he uh, see I I don't I don't think that Dante Dante's Dante and all the others. He's that stuck up douchey, you know, isolated loner in all the other games and I I I don't know. I don't know. I I just think I just think there's more. How about this? He grows in the other games, but I feel like this was just a more of a drastic A to Z than any of the others. I think that's what stood out more about it. Tell tell me another standalone in the Devil May Cry series where he grows. He takes such a drastic 180. The 180, I guess, is the point. Where I mean, what's the other one where he, where he literally... It's almost like in this one, he changes his personality. Because he starts off by not giving a shit about anyone or anything, and he ends up putting his life on the line for all of humanity. What I mean, what, if you look at it that way, yeah, you're right. Well, no, I mean, what about the other ones? The other ones, he's kind of fought for himself and for... What does he fight for in the other ones? The people around him? It's not like I never played other Devil May Cry. I played the first three. I fell off the wayside on four, and I just never picked the series back up. So it's not that I'm completely unfamiliar, though it has been a while. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. What was the pizza one? Was that four or was that three? Was I that... believe that was one. Oh, it was the cutscene right right there. I'm pretty sure it's yeah the original cutscene because he answers the phone and then yep yeah pizza and then yep. meets uh Lady Trish exactly who I believe steals a piece of pizza either at the beginning or the end cutscene. It's been a while since I played through it, so I will need to redo it. Well, 2013 DMC Devil May Cry. How did this? How 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 do you feel about the reboot? How what do you think about this game? I. One of the only things I can say I really enjoyed about this game was that I was finally good starting out on a Devil May Cry. It was very easy to learn the combos. It was very easy to get style points. It was just a simplistic game. Even on harder difficulties, it wasn't difficult to play. And, you know, it's kind of a good thing in a sense because, you know, as someone who's never been great at them because they never bothered to take the time to learn the combos, I just hack and slash all the way through. Um, it was cool to see that Triple S, it's never been a thing until I played this Devil May Cry. But other than that, I, I, the music, I, I really enjoyed. I still think the music added great atmosphere, as it always has. And this one did still keep that up. The art style and the bosses, they just, there wasn't much to them. They weren't anything to write home about. It was kind of just meh and I, they were just meh. I really liked the art style. I think that this was a very colorful game. I really liked the way the world came alive. Uh, I I I think it's a great art style. I, I even the way the game used it, uh, like the scene when you're infiltrating Mundus's tower and you're 
the art style has you gravitating between the real world and like a chalkboard drawing of the plan. I thought it was really cool the way they did that. With that being said, I will absolutely agree with you that the bosses were just meh. There was nothing special about them. They were, hey, here's my glowing little weak spot. Hit it until I, I, I fall down and then pull, pull with what your angel or your devil things, uh, you know, to, to, to hurt me more. Rinse and repeat. Uh, it, there was Devil May Crawl, Cry bosses in the past, I think, were very clever and had some substance to them. And that was just not the case in this game whatsoever. It was, it was, it was lackluster from that standpoint. But I did genuinely enjoy the art style and the concept of Limbo and the way, you know, the real world gets shown in a shadowy form as Dante is, you know, in Limbo. And I, I don't know. I just really thought I really. That's the one thing I did like about this. I thought the art style was really good. I I liked it a lot, and I didn't. I still think it held up well. It's been nine years. I still think it held up well. So, and I will say the art style is good. If this weren't Devil May Cry, I but feel as if this were a standalone. If this were an entirely different series, if this wasn't a Devil May Cry game, I would have nothing but good valor to say about it. It would have been phenomenal. But if you're having known that portrayal and knowing the art style and the the characters and how they were developed and who they were in the story and knowing more about it, having played so many years doing that, this one just kind of, as a devil may cry game, it wasn't, it didn't hold up in my opinion. Three, you know, um, that first steam review writes the only real thing wrong with this game is the title of it. And if you go through the steam reviews, that's something that you'll see as a theme again and again and again, where people, uh, literally, there's a ton of reviews where people will say, if this wasn't a Devil May Cry game, it would be an awesome game. And I, I agree. And it's really fascinating, when you think about it that way, how our perceptions of a game series and our perceptions of a world and our perceptions of a character can change our perception of a game if it wasn't Devil May Cry, if if literally literally all they had to do was call this the I don't I don't know. They could call it Limbo City. They wouldn't have even had to change anything about it. Like they literally could have just called it Limbo City and we would have said, oh it was inspired by Devil May Cry and it turned out to be an awesome game. You know what I mean? No one would have questioned it. It has the same names. Who cares? Mundus, Eva, Sparta Virgil, Dante, those are already figures from, from, you know, Dante's Inferno and all that mythology. It wouldn't be weird to throw in another game. I I don't know. It it just, it, it got a lot of hate that wasn't deserved because of its association. I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's funny because um, Damon, who, for those who have been listening to the channel, is uh, one of my best friends and has been featured on this, although he was not able to join us tonight. Um, he is also a very avid fan of the Devil May Cry series, and he wanted to make sure that I let everyone know that he felt the game was too arcadey and felt it was complete ass. He regrets playing it because every cutscene pissed him off more and he hasn't ever played it since. I can at least say that I gave it another try and it's a fun enough game. But again, 
you just kind of have to step back from Devil May Cry as you play it and not compare it in every way. I mean, obviously, we always talk about rose colored lenses. Well, you you definitely got to take them off when you play this. You can't look at it as old school Devil May Cry. Yeah, well, I mean, but we did get a few. We got a really great Devil May Cry after this. You know what I mean? Oh, the, the one after this was phenomenal. I loved every second of that one. Uh, and and now, you know, unless Capcom decides to revisit this and they decide to give it to another developer, we'll pro- we're not we're not going to see a Devil May Cry by Ninja Theory ever again. Now that Microsoft owns Ninja Theory, although Capcom does do work with with uh, Microsoft because wasn't Devil May Cry on Game Pass for a while? The fourth one or the fifth one? I can't remember which one. One of them was. I swear it was at one point. Wasn't it this one? I don't know. Was it this one? It, I'm almost positive it was this one, but I could maybe, be wrong. Maybe because of Ninja Theory? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I, I don't believe it was four or five, but I could be mistaken, too. I mean, I have not been on my console in so long that I, it yeah. maybe it was during the time that I hadn't been on it. All I know is I had time to play this this week. This has pretty much been the only thing I've had time to play. And I I cheesed it. I'm not even going to lie, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know. Obvious for obvious reasons. I like the art style and I just felt it was so fucking apropos. It, it, God, was it just on point? It was so on point. Ugh. 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 That's all I have to say. Apropos, Dave. Apropos. Apropos. I'm probably using that wrong. Am I using that wrong? You're the English major here. I know numbers. Apropos is a French phrase meaning to the purpose. Uh, I thought you were saying adipose, like the fat monsters from Doctor Who. No. No. Anything that you'd like to add to the Devil May Cry discussion, Rob? I would have to say, even if you think it looks stupid as hell, if you're a fan of the game, of the series, give it a try. You might hate it. You might enjoy it. Look at it without being a DMC game. I think I think you'll find that it's a lot of fun. And hey, just because they are named Dante and Virgil, could just be a coincidence. Maybe it's what the Hobbit series is to the fans of the original Lord of the Rings theory. Maybe. I don't know. Just I really there. enjoyed the Hobbit too, so I don't know. all right rob so all the love and hate with this game got me thinking about this week's gaming question you ready for it hit me what's a really popular game that everybody seems to love but that you don't i wouldn't say that i hate but i'm not the biggest fan of the newer call of duty games no no i mean i still will play them you know i enjoy playing games with friends and even if it's not exactly what I want to play, I'm not against playing them their games with them because, you know, sometimes the friends play games with me that they don't exactly love. So I'm going to do the same for them. And I do find some enjoyment in Call of Duty. It's just, it's not... I got so used to playing Battlefield and having that more realistic combat style. And now with Escape from Tarkov or even Rainbow Six Siege, I just feel Call of Duty is just kind of meh. Zombies is still awesome, but the multiplayer just doesn't do anything for me anymore. Nothing is quite like the Modern Warfare 3 lobbies, people coming in blasting music all day. You just you don't get that same atmosphere anymore, and it's kind no, of sad. No, the vibe is gone. It, it is for me. So Maybe. what about yourself? 
maybe you got maybe you just got older. Maybe that that Modern Warfare Three vibe with the music is is for thirteen year olds, and you're not anymore. Did you ever think of that? Well, if that were the case, then that wouldn't it still be happening with today's thirteen year olds? Yeah, it's very true. now it's just screeching and and loud and, noises and ten year olds and five year olds. <laughs> who are better than me in every Absolutely. way. Hey, that's not going to change. I'm Nothing like you. getting headshotted and hearing, oh. yeah, bitch, take, <laughs> I fucked your mama last night. Like, uh, uh what? <laughs> yeah, you, uh, that doesn't change. That doesn't, you just get older and that doesn't change. So get ready for it. You know, I, we've talked about games that we're really bad at. And I alluded to this before. I just don't like Royal Battle ground shooters like PUBG. I I I've tried to play them. I play them when one of you guys ask me because I really like playing with you guys, but I can't say I've ever really enjoyed it. I even tried playing Warzone a couple times and and I just don't they're just not fun to me. I I I don't know. They're just not fun to me. Run, running around for 10 minutes just to get shot in the back and have to start all over again is just not fun to me. I know that everyone loves Pub, and everyone loves Warzone, and everyone loves Fortnite and all that, but they are just not for me at all. No shame in that. The only saving grace I can say about those style games, the Battle Royales, is that they're really nice for quick and easy. Or not necessarily easy. They're really nice for quick in and outs, you know? You don't get attached. But that's what I I don't... I, I, I would rather play like Call of Duty Zombies mode for in and out because I I I feel that that's easier to drop in and out of than a. I just think that that's the problem I have with the battle royale that you have to invest in it. You have to sneak around and 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 be strategic and and stuff to to be successful at it. And I'd rather just run around and shoot things and drop out and be done. And that just games like that are not they're not like that. They're not Rambo games. They're not. That's that's just that's exactly why I don't like them. Fair enough. Nothing wrong with that. We all have our style of games we enjoy. And that's not for me. Sorry, Fortniteers of the world. You can have that domain. I'll keep my genres that I love like everything else. I'll play them, though. I mean, there aren't any games I won't. Well, all right. You really won't find me playing those hentai games that y'all love, but uh, everything else I'll play. All right, and with that, Dave, do you have anything to add for DMC? <laughs> oh, wait, we already did that part. Yeah, we already did that part. See, you tried to deflect that, and you went to the wrong spot in the outline. I should uh, be here. Yeah, we should be right there. So I've been hard at work on the calendar this week. Did you see the calendar on our website, Rob? I no, sent Dave. It, I sent it to you. Did you look oh, at did it? You? I don't check my Google Mail. And it wasn't in Google Mail. I texted you a link to it. Oh, that, yes. No, I did look at that. I thought you meant differently. No, no, no. Yes, I looked at the calendar, Dave. Nice. I did help create the calendar. Yeah, you did help create the calendar. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, and I know you're listening, I we now have a calendar on our website. Right now, I have it out till June. It shows you every game that we're going to be talking about. And it shows you the question of the week for each episode so that if you would like to come and share your memories on the specific games or your answers to the questions of the week, 
you are more than welcome to. You can email us at memories at memorycardlane.com. Real easy, memories at memorycardlane.com. Or you can go to our website and on the calendar under each game slash episode, there is a button that says share that will take you to a form where you could submit your memory or question answer. And to further that, uh, I could use some help. So if you have any questions you would like us to answer, I would very much like to hear from you. Go to our website, hit the email, submit a gaming question, and I will answer, not I, Rob and I will answer your gaming question of the week. And yeah. Now we want to hear from you guys. Oh, or come visit the Discord, right? Right. Yeah, Discord. Yeah, Discord. Link, link to our Discord, www.memorycardlane.com. There you go. Rob, on memorycardlane.com, what else can our listeners find? You can find archive episodes. You may find biographies of Dave and myself. Really? Uh, you, really? No, not myself. No, just Dave. You know, 20 episodes in, and I'm still pretty good about procrastinating. Mm-hmm. Damn it, if I'm not going for 52. Okay. You, you can through. also find links to our Patreon. That's right. Which, Dave, what 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 can what, what's what's with the Patreon? So we have our Patreon. If you like what you're hearing and you would like to support us, you can do so for only two dollars a month. You can sponsor poor fledgling podcasts like ours for only uh, what is that? Four cents a day? I don't even know. I didn't do the math. I'm winging this. Or you can... No. Four cents a day. Rob, do the math real quick. Aren't you the math guy? Nope. <laughs> so on our Patreon, ladies and gentlemen, we've got one tier. It's $2 a month. Uh, we have community polls. I post the episodes once I finish editing them, which means you get them, uh, I'd say, about 12, 12 hours or more early. And, and, you know, I, I've scheduled a little bit of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff here and there. So there's some goodies to be had. Uh, I wouldn't go to our Patreon if you're expecting a lot of extras. It's not really that for us. Yeah, we haven't got to that point yet where we're, you know, on top of things enough to be, you know... I would love to do extra episodes of the podcast, for instance. But right now, we're just trying to get the groundwork laid for this one. Basically, if you like what you're listening to here and you want to support it, go to our Patreon. There's two ways you can do that. One, Rob just noted, which is our website at www.memorycardlane.com. Or you can go to www.patreon.com slash trip down memory card lane. That's trip down memory card lane. Either way, you can go to our Patreon and you can support us. Rob, they will also find links to our social media there on memory card lane, won't they? That they will, Dave. What kind of social media are you on today? I am on Twitter at David underscore is underscore wrong, where I mostly post about Rocket League. If you want to see all my lame-ass shots, that's where you'll find them. And a few anecdotes here and there. Rob, what are you doing on social media these days? I can be found streaming a good old game or two here or there on twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I. R-I-P-Z. That it is. Well, Rob, before we wrap up our 20th episode, Sometimes the Devil You Know, is there anything you'd like to add? 
As always, want to thank everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. We want to hear from you. Reach out to us. Get some involvement. It's going to be a lot more fun if you join the family. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, I'm going to take it out of here. So next week, we're traveling all the way back to 1990 to take a look back at River City Ransom for the NES. I owned this personally way back then, uh, but I also replayed it recently in preparation for the game. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to talking about it. If you haven't, it's not a big investment. It's probably about 90 minutes from start to end. Uh, not not that bad whatsoever. Really quick playthrough. Uh, we're going to be looking back at the entire series, the Kunio Kun series, and all the games in it that were localized to the United States. While we look at all the different translations of the characters, too. So, I mean, if you're interested in learning more about Kunio Kun and River City Ransom... Uh, and you want to learn more about this beat-em-up, open-world action role-playing game from 1990, I mean, join us again next week as we take a, uh, I don't know, barf-filled trip down memory card lane. Do that thing. Da-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba